You are listening to Future Net Zero, a platform to help businesses and the wider community improve our lives and our planet by achieving net zero. In this podcast, Future Net Zero News Editor Johnny Bairstow speaks with Richard Sully, Energy and Sustainability Manager at Engie, as they discuss the road to net zero, the obstacles preventing businesses from going on that journey, the opportunities available for those who do, and why businesses should commit to going net zero. Hello everyone and welcome to this Future Net Zero podcast. Uh, I'm Johnny Bairstow and today I'm talking with Richard Sully. Uh, He is the Energy and Sustainability Manager at Engie. So hi Richard, how are you? I'm okay, thanks for that Johnny. And uh, what what are we talking about today? We're talking about net zero, aren't we? We are, yeah. And hopefully covering off some of the things that might be preventing people from going down that road. Yeah, and because there are obviously now businesses uh, of all kinds and sizes and shapes are going to be needing to uh, start their net zero journey. Uh, but there are obstacles and hurdles uh, as, as well as the opportunities offered along the way, aren't there? So some businesses might not be even aware of or particularly interested in decarbonizing. Uh, why do you think it's important for all businesses to consider this and start working towards their own net zero journey? I suppose there's three things for me that, uh, that would encourage a business to go down this route towards net zero. Obviously, uh, the UK has set into legislation targets to be net zero by 2050. And recently, in December 20, we set an interim interim target of 68% reduction by 2030. So the government has two tools that they can use to try and get to this target. They can incentivize or they can tax, and generally it will be a combination of both. So companies will need to look at it from that point of view. Also, they'll need to consider how they remain competitive in the marketplace. As we've often seen with other kinds of improvements, so in quality standards and environmental standards, it it becomes incumbent on businesses to adopt those standards, to remain competitive, to be invited to tender and those kind of things. And I suppose the final aspect for me, and I'm seeing more of this, which I find quite heartening, is that it's the societal pressures. You know, we like to think of businesses being you know, monolithic corporations, but they are in fact just run by people and formed of people. And there are societal pressures on us to improve our environment and improve our environmental performance. So I am seeing companies saying, you know, we want to do this for the future, for our kids, for our grandkids. We want to leave them with a better world. So we recognize our our responsibility as, as members of society to reduce our carbon impact. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point about how the the companies are just you know made up of people that have um yeah their own pressures on them, yeah. uh, and and of course the businesses have uh, you know financial pressures as well, don't they? Because consumers are becoming increasingly green minded, um, and in many cases I think now kind of do their research and they'll they'll pick the company that they want to do business with uh, based on their sustainable credentials and whether they they're seen as having this authentic journey towards net zero. Yeah, I think that's exactly true. From the the end consumer through the supply chain, and a lot of companies will use this, you know, argument that it's better to be cheap and people will um, will you know make decisions based on their wallet. But ultimately, if you've got two options that are the same price and one has a better environmental and sustainability, you know, credentials which business would you choose to work with? Which product would you choose to buy? And generally you will go with that added value element. So I don't think people can just 
solely rely on being the cheapest offer in the marketplace um, when they're looking to maintain their business. Yeah, times are definitely changing. And um, as you said, the wheels are in motion now because these targets have been set by the government. So like it or not, everyone is along for the ride. Yeah. Uh, but for some of our people that might be listening right now to some of our audience, they might be thinking, yeah, this is great. Um, we have to, you know, my business has to now work towards net zero. Uh, that's good because we all want to save the planet. Uh, but at the same time, they might be a bit intimidated because their day-to-day -day activities might not really be centered around energy or sustainability necessarily. Um, and that could kind of be a side thought of their business, you know. And it, this, this whole journey could be something entirely new to them. So how, how, how would you advise them to get started? And is it as scary as it all sounds? <laughs> I'm going to say yes and no to that. It is complex, obviously, but you can simplify it. Um, and if you follow some fairly straightforward steps, so you, you can simplify the approach um, and you can sort of reduce it down to bite-sized pieces that you can tackle. You don't have to do everything at once. You don't have to launch into becoming carbon zero tomorrow. It is really about trying to set a roadmap in place, trying to understand what you can and can't achieve. So following something like PAS 2060, which is the, uh, the standard for achieving carbon neutrality, for setting a roadmap, will help you. And it, it is just following those, those steps of understanding your existing footprint, identifying the things that you can do to reduce that, and acting upon that carbon management plan. And like with all change processes, it really is plan, do, check, act. You can't set a roadmap today and follow it precisely to the end goal. Because if, if, 29, if 2020 rather has taught us anything, it's that the world can change you know, practically overnight and your plan needs to be flexible. You need to understand the impact of the changes that you want to make, but also on the changing you know, wider business environment. Yeah, that's a great that's a great point because sorry to interrupt you there, but right. um, the, yeah, anything can change in the blink of an eye as we've seen this yeah. year, and it, it's interesting because some of those changes might make this journey easier for companies, and then other parts of um, the shift might make things harder. Because I guess now you know transport footprints and potentially office um, energy impacts and so on might be reduced, but there might be obviously things that have been made more difficult along the way as well. Yeah, that's exactly what we've seen, that obviously the footprint of people's office space has reduced dramatically. Everyone's working from home. But we also saw that we were all required to sort of pull out of using public transport and more people were driving. So the footprint of, of that transport element went up. You wouldn't have predicted that 12 months ago. You couldn't have predicted that 12 months ago. But if you're an organisation that understands your footprint and understands what makes up your footprint, it's relatively easy to remap that and say, right, if our, if our car journeys have gone up 200%, but our train journeys have gone down, what's the impact of that? If we're no longer in the office, what's the impact of that? I think we will see some fundamental changes in how businesses operate. Hopefully they will recognize the carbon benefits of maybe a more flexible working environment and use some of that to take chunks out of their carbon footprint. But in other areas, we need to start looking more about how we manage things, like you say, like, like transport, and to make sure that we don't lose those benefits that we've gained. Yeah, well, that's the thing, really, isn't it? it this is intimidating, and you can't, you can't blame um, anyone for kind of finding it a bit 
intimidating at first when you, you look at the scale of everything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But at the same time, there are a range of real and significant benefits to going to net zero and making these changes um, can actually help businesses save money. And there's, there's a whole range of other opportunities out there for companies um, you know, needing to take this first step. What would you say those opportunities are and how can businesses ensure they can be fully realised? I think we have to look at everything um, from the basis of does this improve you as an organisation? Um, when yeah. I'm talking to, to clients about their, their journey to carbon neutrality or net zero or whatever terminology you choose to use, nothing we do is about damaging the business. So generally, when we're looking at carbon reduction projects, they're <laughs> around, um, around giving a, a reduction in energy consumption, say. So they will have a return on investment. If you have to make investments, if you have to spend capital, we want to see something that gives a return. But also any kind of process like this will improve your knowledge of the businesses and processes that you have. And that helps with flexibility. So businesses that had a better awareness of how they operated were better able to respond to the, the COVID crisis, I'm sure. But it also often in looking at one thing, like how to reduce carbon, you identify other areas of waste and you become a more streamlined and competitive business. And that's what it's all about. But also being able to respond to your clients' needs. So we will see, as we talked about previously, that there is supply chain pressure to reduce carbon, be that from end con consumers or supermarkets if you're a supplier into there or the automotive industry if you're a supplier into there so clients will start to say we need to understand the footprint of the elements that we take in so if we are buying a small element from you and making it into a large element that we ultimately sell on to another consumer we need to know the carbon footprint of all those so if if you as a as a tier one, tier two supplier don't understand the carbon and the embedded carbon of the, um, the products that you make, it's going to be very difficult to sell those on. So you could wait for that pressure to come down. So next time um, there are tenders out that you're trying to respond to, you could wait for, for that to be an element, or you could be more proactive and be going to your client base and saying, work with us. We're on a carbon reduction journey. We can tell you today what the footprint and the impact of the products and services that you buy from us are. And we can tell you that by 2025, 2030, 2035, whatever it happens to be, we will have reduced them to this new level. So I think it's all about making your business, making the bottom line better, but also making you more streamlined, more competitive, better able to respond to the requirements of the market. So, Richard, uh, you, you touched on it there, but it, it seems vital that businesses kind of paint a picture and find out where they are currently um, before they kind of make the other steps, isn't it? They need to know where they're at and where, yeah. where emissions can be reduced. Um, and I suppose data and information are the, the very first step to be made in that case. Yeah, I think that, that is key. It's setting that, that footprint, as we call it, so understanding your, your carbon emissions and for the majority of companies, they'll be looking at what we call scope one and two emissions. So the direct emissions from combustion processes, so burning natural gas and diesel and petrol and things like that. And the scope two, which is generally grid electricity. And for the majority of organizations, at, you know, at the early stages, that's your focus. And you have that data already. You may not realize you have that data already, but you know, you receive bills from your energy suppliers. You'll understand the volumes of fuels that you use 
And for most people, it will just be an exercise in collating that data and converting it into uh, the, the relevant carbon emissions. And that will give you a good first indicator of your carbon footprint. It, there is nuance to this, as there is with everything. And the more you dig, the more complicated it gets. So standards like PAS 2060 that I referred to before do sort of say you should be aiming to try and cover about 95% of your emissions. Um, they recognize that some will get missed, some will be complicated. And the other factor is that anything that contributes more than about 1% of your total, you should be looking to quantify. So there are opportunities to to sort of de minimis out some things that are a little bit more, uh, more complicated or very small. But for most organizations, that initial view will be around, you know, fossil fuel use and electricity use. Um, yeah. So, so if they, if a company is ultimately planning by the end of their journey to decarbonize, you know, 95% and they've, they've kind of set that goal in their head, what are some of the easy wins that they can get started on after they've worked out that their footprint? And also, what obstacles and hurdles are there um, maybe further along the road in terms of trying to cut emissions? I think for everybody, I come from an energy efficiency background, so I'm always going to major on the fact that use less energy. If you use less energy, you will emit less carbon. That's the easy, you know, easiest thing for me to, to say that you should do. Um, so we tend to follow a hierarchy which looks at trying to reduce your overall uh, footprint through efficiency then looking to convert some of your higher carbon fuels to lower carbon. So things like if you've got a fleet of diesel cars, can you convert those to electric? Or can you get people to use public transport? Can you get people to use active travel methods? So walking, cycling, things like that. Do you need to go out at all? As we've discovered from 2020, lots of people who thought they needed to be outside all the time don't. And then possibly looking at things like green power, so whether that's entering into uh, PPA, so power purchase agreements to uh, get green power or investing on renewables for your own sites, so solar panels on your roof, things like that. It gets more tricky when you're looking at uh, companies that are highly reliant on burning natural gas. So then this is when nuance comes into it a little bit and where you do need to use some expertise to understand what the potential is. And they generally aren't dropping solutions to replacing big gas ovens. So if you if you do something like baked bread, you'll have a lot of infrastructure that is based on the fact that we have a low cost natural gas grid. But there are options around electrification of processes. So if you only need you know low temperature processes, so getting rid of gas boilers and putting in heat pumps. And as a as a country, we're looking more to invest in hydrogen grids and biomethane so again other options and this is coming back to my earlier points around you don't have to answer all the questions now but you put a plan in place that says you know this is the hurdle rates that we need to pass you know we couldn't invest in hydrogen unless it came down to this particular price point and we'll tackle the easier things first um, and we'll you know not exactly kick out into the long grass but we will delay decision making on some of the others for later as technology improves as the availability of alternative fuels improve so again it's about following this step-by-step method on method um, this approach of looking at each element of your footprint identifying what you could do to reduce or replace and then finally for a lot of people there will be a requirement to offset we are talking about net zero 
So that is making sure that you, you know, offset anything that you can't remove completely by investing in programs to sequester carbon somewhere else. So I think for lots of organizations, there will be a requirement to, to say offset that with investment in, in programs. Um, often they're uh, in developing countries to help them reduce their carbon footprint and companies can use that to offset the last bit of carbon that they can't remove from their own operations in the UK. Yeah, and um, ju jumping back slightly there, you mentioned expertise, and I think yeah. that's an important message because that, that's part of the whole intimidation factor. It doesn't have to be intimidating because businesses don't need to do this alone, do they? Um, they can get a partner in and they can get advice from other organizations about how to, go to, how to set out such a plan, how to implement each of the steps. Um, so I suppose now is a good time to ask, how can NG help a business that might be listening to this? Uh, I thought you'd never ask, John. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, 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 I was going to get around to that. Don't you worry. Um, I suppose the answer to that yeah, is, is anything and, and everything. So as we've talked about, there are many steps uh, in any company's carbon zero journey. And at NG, we think we can help you uh, with a complete holistic approach. So we could work from start to finish. But also we can help you with different elements. So again, companies don't need to necessarily um, sign up on day one, choose a partner and deliver a full you know, carbon zero journey. So if that is just to help somebody quantify their carbon footprint, if it's to look at understanding and what they can do, what reduction projects they could do, or if it's the implementation of those projects. So you know, any element along that path from where you are now to carbon zero you know, NG has a solution that we can we can drop in to that. Ideally, you know, you ring us up tomorrow and you say, Richard, we'd like NG to help take us from our, our existing carbon footprint down to zero by 2030. And we can work with you to design that roadmap and help you with that implementation. Uh, so it's, it's, you're, you're, you've got bespoke offerings, really, depending on what stage of the journey your potential yeah, client think, might be at. I think there is no one size fits all. Everything yeah, well, is around following a, a sort of similar methodology, but how you apply that methodology to an individual company is bespoke to that company. And I think that's worth noting for people that, you know, there won't be an off the shelf solution that necessarily works for them because they are the only people who do what they do. But the tools and techniques work for everybody. So it is just a case of applying them. And, you know, when you work in a team like I do, we see how to apply those tools and techniques across a wide range of industries and public sector bodies and they are all as i say i've used the word a lot today nuanced but they are all nuanced. they are all bespoke to your particular requirements if you've got a lot of real estate um, investing heavily in solar and injecting low carbon electricity back to the grid might work but if you're locked in a city center that's probably not going to work for you and you're going to need a different solution and that's where we can help design those solutions for you well, perfect. Thank you very much, Richard. Uh, there was a lot of great information there and very nuanced uh, answers. To <laughs> so questions. you've got you've got <laughs> nuance now as well, Johnny. Hopefully, um, we haven't scared everybody off with this. There is a lot to to go through, and it's difficult to cover in just sort of fifteen twenty minutes. Well, that gives people a flavour of uh, of how to approach net zero. No, I think that was a great overview. Uh, and of course, NGR, a future net zero partner of ours, so. They have a page on their website. So uh, if any of our audience are listening to this and you want to find out more um, about what Richard's been talking about and get involved, 
uh, then of course you can check out the NG page on our website. Uh, thank you again, Richard. And until next time, uh, I look forward to it. Thanks, Johnny. You have been listening to a Future Net Zero podcast along with our partner, NG. This has been a promoted podcast. Thanks for listening to this Future Net Zero podcast. Please follow us on social media and subscribe to the website at www.futurenetzero.com. Future Net Zero. Better business, better planet.